Hi, I'm John. And I'm Paul. And this is the Minute Podcast. If you give a mouse a cookie, I'm pretty sure he'd write a book. But give us 60 seconds of footage and we'll tell you where to look. With a concept this simplistic, it's hard to say if it'll last. But give us just a minute and we'll give you a podcast. The Minute Podcast. Great. Thanks for joining us for another episode. As you probably know by now, the Minute Podcast is a weekly conversation between John and myself where we talk about a listener-submitted minute of content. We try to figure out what's going on and uh, we talk about it. John, what are we looking at today? Uh, today we're discussing Cool World as submitted by an anonymous listener. They're probably anonymous because they're ashamed of this. That's not the first time we've said that, and it probably won't be the last. But <laughs> no, this week's ep- <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like last uh, the last one was uh, what is it? That was the the haunted dance party one or whatever. The I stuck my hand in the toilet thing. That's mm-hmm. just juvenile. And like I don't know, I could I like I've seen embarrassing crud like that. I'm fairly certain I've seen every like uh, ABC Family uh, like you know, original TV show, you know, original movie from like when I was a kid. Plus I've seen more than one Airbud, So I'm pretty sure Ooh, I have, yeah. I have all that shame, but cool world is like a whole nother level of shame. So we'll get into that. A special circle of hell for this anonymous listener. Yes. And this week's ad, by the way, is brought to you by Zop Recruiter. Zip zop bop ba doop bop ba doop bop ba doodly boop boop ba doop ba doop ba recruiter.com slash minipod for more information today. All right. Uh, didn't have to do a second take on that one. That's good. Nope. First try. Uh, yeah, first try. Okay. So, um, Paul, let's go over our level of familiarity with uh, Cool World. <laughs> I, I want to ask you f- you first because I, I feel like I have probably more familiarity with this than you do. Yeah, I think you do. I have no idea what this is. I recognize one actor from this minute, uh, the obvious one, and have just nothing. Zero. The, ob- the obvious The only one who has a like actual face. The only corporeal actor, you might say, but we'll get into it. What about you, yeah. John? Um, so I'm a little bit more familiar with it. It's sort of like the dirty, uh, it's like the dirty Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, Robert Ra- Roger Rabbit is like one of the greatest films ever made, in my opinion, and I feel like I have, you know, the ability to support that. And so, of course, like, you know, people, when it came out, it made a huge hit. It was, like, 1988, I believe. So this is, like, uh, you know, 1992 Cool World comes out. I'm guessing, like, you know, a couple years in development, that sort of stuff. Like, it makes sense that, like, it would spawn sort of, like, you know, this sort of genre. And And it's funny that we're talking about this after Space Jam, which also sort of falls in this genre of, like, cartoons plus real-world actors yeah. uh, equals funny. Um, but in Cool World, it's... Mo- now, I've never seen this film before, and that's for a very good reason, because I happen to know it involves a lot of, like, uh, Brad Pitt being, like... Well, sexual- no, no spoilers, no spoilers, John, because I have my own theories, okay. and I know nothing. No, okay, that's perfectly fine. Then never mind, but it, it's not... It, it's it's not good. <laughs> like, like, not only is this movie not good, it's also not good in very uncomfortable ways. So, like, you know, and 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 I feel like this scene hits, uh, starts to hit on one of the ways in which it's uncomfortable. So we can get into that when we get into the scene. So, Paul, what what's what's happening in the scene? Yeah. So in this scene, we um, see only one human actor who is surrounded by a number of cartoons. Uh, 
it's a conversation between this actor and a cartoon woman in a bar. There's an, an altercation with another cartoon. Um, Brad Pitt hits a guy, and then he leaves the scene. Are they in a bar? Yes. Is it like... John, do you even watch the clips before we do this? Sometimes I wonder. (laughs) Well, first off, it starts at three three minutes and goes to, you know, four minutes. And I don't... Oh, I guess I do see bottles in the background. Sorry, the bar is literally striped black and white. I thought it was a crazy piano. Okay? (laughs) Not even at all. No. We'll, we'll, We'll get into it. But, John, this week I would like to not do a script reading. Oh. Okay. What a roller coaster. Let's do it. I'll okay. play Harris, um, and you can be Lady and Sparks. Okay. Uh, yes, that's how, that's how it'll work. Okay, so i got to get into character. I'm really fascinated to see what your voice of a sexy cartoon lady will be, John. <laughs> I am too, Paul. Uh, all right. Oh, hello, Harris. Welcome to the party. And what a swell potty it is. Thanks for having me. I should have known that riffraff like you would have been involved in this equation, Sparks. What equation is that, Harris? I've discovered that if you look for trouble, you find it. What's your problem? Bad childhood. Where's the Noid? You're the only Noid here, Harris. (laughs) Last warning. You stay away from the Noid, or you're closed for business. Permanently. Have a splendid evening. You want to know what it is about you that really kicks my ass, Harris? How about my foot? In scene. Okay. Well, John, where, where to what, start? <laughs> yeah, what strikes you first after seeing the clip? Um. Okay, so how uncomfortable I am, uh, the way that the uh, the lady character uh, is animated. And mm-hmm. doesn't uh, first off, she's got this weird swimmingness to her that uh, can only be achieved by like animation from this like you know a cheaper animation from this era where everything is sort of moving until it's like perfectly still. So yeah, like, she uh, she looks like someone who doesn't have bones but is supported by some sort of bladders system. Yeah, or like gravity is like somehow undulating yeah. the the weird flesh sack that makes up her body but it's not just her it's also the the other guy that brad pitt smacks well it's true but it's worse for the characters you see at the very end of the clip but i guess we we can circle around to that at the end yeah john the the thing that strikes me first though is how (laughs) young about the characters at the end sorry i just I'm, i'm scrubbing through it a little bit yeah okay go ahead paul yeah, but what strikes me is how young Brad Pitt is in this role and how incongruous that is with the things that he's doing. How, how fairly, old do you think he is? I'm fairly certain this is some sort of weird, like, child endangerment crime. Like, he looks like he's yep. about, like, 15 in this. I was going to say 19, so he's definitely under 21, we can safely say. Yeah, he is not allowed to be in this bar. Like, no, definitely he, not. Like, he, and not... Not only that, but, like, I think he's supposed to be dressed like a detective or something, but in fact looks like he's, like, trying to come in here to, like, save them from, like, their sinful ways or something like that. Like, he's... He actually he's, looks to me like he's a number of six-year-olds stacked on top of each other wearing a suit that's far too big. <laughs> yes. Now, he is a very handsome-looking young man, of course. It is Brad Pitt still, but yeah. he, he does not look like somebody... Like, he looks like somebody that, uh you know, you, you'd look at and be like... Oh man, 
this kid, he's going to go places, but definitely not with this film. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, so in, in his role here, my theory is that without getting into it too much, he's either a, a cop or some sort of mob enforcer or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he really does look like he's about 17 and not like the way The Rock looked at 17 where he looked like he was 30. This yeah. is a 17-year-old Brad Pitt-ish who looks like a 17-year-old Brad Pitt. And as you said, definitely doesn't look old enough to be in this bar or this club and definitely not old enough to be the sort of rough customer character that no, he's playing. No, no. Uh, he he looks like he's been, like, uh, like, the way that he acts is sort of like how you imagine, like, you know, a 17-year-old who's just been, like, uh, you know, brought into the mob and, like, he, he's got this really, like, crappy job in the mob, but he mm. acts as though he's, like, the biggest badass. Like, I I kind of feel like that's sort of where we're going with this. Because, like, there's no way he could have gotten some sort of, like, I don't know, work certificate or, like, training or anything. Like, there's nothing to back You're saying he didn't up. get any mob training? No, he didn't get any mob training or certification from Mob U or anything like that. Mob so, U. So, like, I, I think I think he's he's a baby. He's a baby in this. And it's kind of disconcerting because I've only ever known Brad Pitt to look 30. So, like... Yeah. I mean, he's basically just perpetually looked 34. Like, in my entire life. Uh, mm-hmm. With apparently the exception of 1992. So I just assume next year, like 1993, he just, like, gets, like, a crease in his forehead and becomes one of the most handsome human beings alive, is basically what I assume. Yeah, well, it is possible, but let's transition off of Brad for a minute. Um, and, and can we talk about the Noid? John, I, I don't actually really know what a Noid is. So my understanding of Noid is it was some sort of little monster who was advertising <laughs> pizzas Yes. in the 90s. That- which, which to me, so the comeback, you're the only Noid here, Harris. That doesn't make any sense based on my understanding. Can you Can you elaborate at all? Do you know what's going on? All right, so uh, Noid was an advertising campaign by Domino's Pizza, I believe, and it was like uh, he would like mess up pizzas in the cars, and that's like you know avoid the Noid. Domino's Pizza, mm-hmm. you know, delivers you a complete like unmolested pizza, basically. I see. Um, but then there was this horrible thing with this guy named somebody is something Noid holding up hostages and then killing himself, I think, because, like, he felt, like, he was, he was, uh, you know, uh, really, really upset about the advertising campaign and felt like Domino's was working against him so that people would reject him. But he was, he was, uh, you know, like, uh, really emotionally disturbed and stuff like that. So, like, it, it just sort of set him off, and that sort of ended quickly, the Noid campaign, because okay. Domino's was being associated with that event rather than not. So I feel like I feel like I I, sh- I I want you to guess what it is because I can tell you that it is not the Domino's Pizza mascot. Well, um, I, I don't have any other information, so my mental image is still of that weird half rabbit looking guy who is the Domino's Pizza rabbit. Yeah, I think the Domino's Pizza rabbit is I, now is my new favorite way of describing the Noid. Also, a title for this episode. But Domino's Pizza Rabbit. I, I don't know. I think in context, we'll get into it in my theories, but I think the noise may be in witness protection or something like that. I, okay. I, I don't know. All right. 
Uh, well, I'm not going to go over it here because I, I want to do sort of a similar section to you because, like, I generally know what this movie's plot is, but I don't, I've never seen it before. I've only heard it, like, through other people, so I have a feeling, like, I can come up with some really bad and incorrect stuff. So it'll be, it'll be its own fun sort of, like, recollection, I think. Um, so... One of the things I want to know is, like, what do you think his relationship with, like, the guy with the toothpaste hair is? So, I think that guy with the toothpaste hair, based on the way he can take a punch, and we see in this scene, mm-hmm. which is to say he just crumbles, is a snitch in some capacity. So, I don't know if he is um, a snitch that Brad Pitt has leaned on as a police officer or detective. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. a snitch that's being leaned on by the mob i mean anybody can lean on a snitch as is my understanding yeah so i i I think this is not the first time that brad has backhanded him yeah no definitely not i have a feeling that this might be like the third or fourth time that we've seen brad pitt like backhand maybe not him but like somebody yeah it it seems natural to him let's talk about this actual slap for a minute though because it has some interesting implications for me when brad slaps this guy He doesn't put a lot of weight into it. He doesn't do like a full step and swing. It's just standing still, backhands him, and the guy hits the ground. So my question is, is Brad a superhero, or do humans in this cartoon world have superpowers by comparison because they've got this extra dimension to throw around? I kind of wonder if maybe it's that, yeah, like, uh, the way... Because humans react in a very human way, but maybe the cartoons react in only cartoonish ways. So oh, like, could be. So, like, the act of a slap in a cartoon would result in what happens to this character, rather than... Uh, I do like that we're discussing, like, the metaphysics of, of like, like uh, cartoon, live-action, film combo things. Uh I feel like we we missed this uh, the ability to talk about this in the Space Jam one. Well, so. we didn't have any good examples in Space no, no, Jam. No, we didn't. We didn't, and I don't think we're to blame for that. I think I think it's just we didn't have that opportunity, and so I'm glad we get this now. <laughs> well, yeah. So d- digging into the slap just a little bit more, do you think it was justified in scene? Uh, I have to be honest. I feel like it's a cultural thing because I feel like cartoons are, if they were to be a thing. Like like a, like a a sentient existence. If cartoons sure. were sentient, then I feel like if they're portrayed and represented in cartoons themselves the way that they are sentient, then like culturally slapping one another or like even like like literally just beating one another or flattening each other with anvils would just be like a cultural thing mm. that just happens rather than actual like actual violence in the way that we see it as but i feel bad saying cultural because then i'm like we can't judge them based on but i was like because at the same time like i feel like it's just like because they're extra dimension like or you know sans one of the dimensions and also can't mm. die um <clears throat> if we're talking like you know who frame roger rabbit rules then they can't die unless uh you know paint thinner is involved uh then you know it it it's just something that might just occur naturally in their interactions rather than something that would be strange or, or, you know, outside the realm of Mm. normal behavior. Okay. Well, I think the other, that's a very long (laughs) response. Um, I I think the answer Uh, was maybe I may have, I may have like been obsessed with like who framed Roger Rabbit as a kid. So, you know, Mm. it's coming out just a little bit, but John, can we, for a moment, 
talk about the suit that Brad is wearing. Yes. Um, what color is it, Paul? I want to know what think, color it is. So based on my memory alone, it is green, and he's wearing some sort of slightly color-clashing sh- uh, shirt underneath, and then a tie that is about half as wide as he is. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, it looks purple or gray, the suit does. Then everything else is brown except for his white uh, his white shirt. He has a he has a very mm, crisp okay. white shirt, which does give him like the choir boy sort of aesthetic. Like like he like like he's wearing the suit that his mom picked out for him for confirmation <laughs> day sort of thing. It uh, does look like that. Rather than rather than like mobster or detective. Well, um, and I think it, it's clearly a large suit, as was the style in the nineties. But I yes. think this suit is too large for him, even by. By the standards, standards of the 90s. It is massive, right? Yeah, he has... Uh, his shoulder pads have to be, like... His shoulder is at halfway mark on those shoulder pads, right? Yeah, like, it is just massive. And I, I know that... Get, I, I get that some of this has got to be, like, perspective, but it looks like he's, like, literally, like, shifted to one side and his suit is, like, slightly larger on one side than it is on the other side. Like, his shoulder is to the one side and then his suit's kind of crumpling in so that he can mm. fit to that one side and then, like, his other shoulder is just hanging off. Yeah, it's a ridiculous outfit. I don't always um, re-recommend that people watch the clip before listening, but now that we're halfway through the episode, maybe you should. Yeah, um, it doesn't John- help that it's also double-breasted, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, that's a lo- it's a lot of fabric. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, John, I, I want to ask you, what do you think is the best line of dialogue in this minute, and what do you think is the worst? Because there's a lot of big swings happening. Yes, Uh I feel like very little is said in this. I think the only thing that's actually communicated is, where's the Noid? We don't know where the Noid is. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Like, that is the only actual piece of information that was traded here. Right. Uh, I don't but know. But they did crack wise a lot, so... Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like I feel like my probably my favorite is uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt's responses to these horrible, weird things. Uh, first off, Brad Pitt's, you even had trouble, like, getting some of this, this, uh, text out, like, uh, you know, actually saying some of it, like, I should have known that riffraff like you would have been involved in this equation, like, that is a horribly stilted sentence, (laughs) and I kind of, like, it's true, and it it all is, yeah, yeah, uh, but I kind of, like, uh, what's your problem, bad childhood, where's the noid, I think I kind of just, like, that's my favorite one as well, yeah, that's, that's the best one, that is, that is the Minute Podcast official best line of this minute. We can't start that segment, people. Well, maybe we could. <laughs> we get a lot of weird shit. Do what we want. Okay. We Yeah, whatever. Okay. So, John, the um, last thing, second to last thing. Well, anyway, one of the last things I want to talk about is the CD nightclub that they are in. <laughs> now, I, I, I say CD because there are known riffraff there, such as Sparks and this unnamed woman. Uh-huh. And no one bats an eye when Brad backhands this guy down to the floor. So yeah. clearly, violence has happened here before. Yep. But I can't tell how seedy the bar is, because based on the interactions at the beginning, it looks pretty seedy. Based on the interactions at the end, where Brad's just standing on the green screen and you have those animals behind him drinking beer and throwing it into the air, yeah. that looks really light. Yeah. So how seedy of a bar or club are we in? I mean, like, I feel like... It- Again, there's there's got to be cultural tenses to this. Like, there's not a lot of cartoons that involve like 
truly seedy activities. Like, like not a lot of cartoons involve, like, drug trafficking and whatnot. So, like, I'm sure that there's some sort of weird seedy cartoon activity, like, um, I don't know, anvil procurement or, uh, you know, I don't know, weird sex stuff that cartoons would get into. <laughs> Uh, sure. Because animators are pervs, and this, this, <laughs> this, and this clip kind of like uh, enforces that. But like, there's. Can we describe the people in the background here? Uh, we've got like a a squirrel lady with instead of like, uh, she's wearing like a tank top, and instead of like having hair, she has like a tail sticking out of the top of her head, and it's got stripes on it, and she's got big pouty lips and big like, uh, like overemphasized eyes like uh stylized eyes with like you know right wings coming off of them uh and then here we have uh next to brad pitt is a two-headed man is he two-headed? Yeah, some sort of two two-headed bear thing yeah bear thing with a very long skinny neck but two heads that sort of resemble balloons with huge red noses and a single buck like a single tooth sticking out on on both of them or maybe one of them has two teeth. No, just a single tooth. This they're kind of like a do duo sort of thing. Yeah, that's fair actually. But uh, so I, I have two questions coming out of the end there, John. The mm-hmm. first is these two cartoons at the end seem to be animals, anthropomorphized animals of some kind. Yeah. But the first two cartoons, Sparks and this lady, are not. Mm-hmm. So are we in a world where the cartoon people are all an animal? Are we like watching Arthur, or is this just some weird? thing where there's also hybrid human animal cartoons who come into these clubs too do you do you have a guess there i mean my guess is that like it's just cartoons period like it's all cartoons like i have a feeling like like you know the the mug of beer that uh the one cartoon's probably drinking right now like the balloon floating up in the sky has a face on it that sort of like smirks like i feel Mm. like i feel like everything is a cartoon character like it's not it's not just like I feel like that's that's really poorly defined as a world, though, because the bar stools didn't have faces on them, and the bar was also inanimate. So yeah, but what does that suggest when the bar stools have faces on them, (laughs) Paul? John, you've said you think this movie is pretty perverse, so I'm just it's it's true. Maybe. Well, I would like to point out the architecture of this room. Uh, First off, everything is uh, striped or spotted. Uh, and, uh, the, when, when it's the weird two extra cartoon characters in the background, just drinking and like throwing beer up and balloons floating and all that sort of stuff, uh, the, up on the ceiling, there seems to be like, uh, molding around the ceiling that involves, uh, uh, just like lips parted as wide as you can while still maintaining like your, your teeth being closed. Like just sort of like a uh, like a like a like a grr or like a you know you're showing your teeth sort of thing, and then on the other side of the room shows just simply like like a a kiss style like tongue as extended as possible, and this is part of the architecture of this place. Uh, yeah, I I think they've actually done a really good job in the design and the architecture here, mm-hmm. and the reason I say that is the cartoons don't look that out of place in it, no. nor does Brad Pitt. <laughs> look that out of place? I mean, of course he does. He's a human in a cartoon scene. But if you look at the bar behind him, it's a real prop. It's a real yeah. bar, which they have the zebra coating on. The bar stools are ridiculously colored, but they're also real. Yeah. So I think they've done a decent job of creating a scene in which the cartoons and Brad could, in theory, coexist. 
Although then you see the squirrel lady and the two-headed guy and everything just looks like shit. Yeah. I think so. I think another part of it is, like, he's well lit when we're sitting next to the bar, when we're standing next to the bar, because, like, he's kind of neutrally lit, and the bar, because it's real life, like, none of those garish colors really pop. But then when he goes to, like, the you know, the obvious green screen behind him, like, with the, with the like, animation cell background, uh, or, like, the painted background, it, everything is blue, and it really makes it feel weird that he's not, like, lit in a more blue light or something. I don't know. Something like that. Even though the cartoon characters aren't necessarily lit that way, but it feels like, because literally everything in this room is, like, blue or purple, uh, there should be more blue or purple light? I don't know. That could just be me being nitpicky and artsy-fartsy about it, so... Well, it could be, but the animation is also pretty inconsistent throughout. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we we certainly don't have time to go into the inconsistencies of this animation, though. No. So just watch for yourself and compare the different characters. I mean, for context, like, guys, I studied animation in school, so like, if I get too into the weeds, like, it might be why. Like, this might this might be one of my weaknesses when we come to addressing some of these clips. Yeah. Um, but I think it's good. Good for us to nerd out at least a little. Um, is there anything else you want to dig into, John, before we do the theories portion? Um, no, I, I think the big stuff I want to get into is the theories. And first off, I want to hear what your theory is because I think it's going to be interesting. Okay, well, my theory is that Brad is playing a detective, sort of a hard-ass detective. I think he's really miscast in the role just based on age. I think this should be someone somewhat older playing it. I think he lives in the human world, which is somehow separate from Toon world, mm -hmm. and he's sent in to find the Noid, who is hiding among the cartoons, either in, maybe he ran from witness protection, or he's a witness he needs to bring in, or, you know, something to that effect. I think he goes through and has to rough up a lot of cartoon characters to do it, comes to town, kicks ass. I think he probably has sex with a cartoon character at some point that's really uncomfortable, and then I think he brings the Noid in, but he takes him down kind of hard. All right. All right. Would you like to hear what I think I remember this movie being about? I don't even know. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's go ahead. So I believe he is a human in the real world. Uh, I believe he's a cartoonist. So I'm pretty sure he's straight up like the inventor of this world. I think this all might be a hallucination. Uh, that is made real for some reason. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's in prison, something like that. I don't know. I'm getting, like, vibes of, like, incarceration of some variety. Anyway, so he's in here, and I believe that the character, and I forget her, forget her name, the, the, the sexy woman cartoon character, is, right. I think the goal is, like, if annoyed, uh, oh, by the way, annoyed means, like, humanoid, so... A person, a real life person, if a real life person has sex and ha and and like like procreates with a cartoon character, I think it ends the world or something, uh, or like then like that like I don't know, there a dimensional tear, something like that, and I think the whole point of the movie is basically trying to prevent cartoon characters from having sex with humans or something. Uh, I think that's what it is. Uh, I, that's pretty, pretty freaking weird. Yeah, it's very weird because like, you know, Roger Rabbit, the sexual undertones are there to be comic, comedic and funny and sort of like put a spotlight on them in like a, like, yeah, this is, this is part of the legacy of animation is like, you know, 
uh, Jessica Rabbit sort of stuff, like, you know, like, uh, Betty Boop, all that sort of things. Like, the, this is a legacy, like, cartoons aren't necessarily for kids, uh, but they're also sometimes, like, an expression of, you know, weird sexual fantasies that people have, whereas, like, this straight up just seems like a sexual fantasy somebody had and decided to publish on film. <laughs> well, that's really unfortunate, but it does sound like, at least in concept, our theories agree. Uh, you're probably right, and he's not literally a police officer, but he's playing that role I think he's as the animator the role, yeah. And yeah. I can see him frankly like no offense to Brad Pitt, like 16-year-old Brad Pitt here, but like I can see him much more playing the part of an animator of like now granted mm. the fact that a director of an animated movie uh cast him as an animator makes me feel like it's a little bit of a self-insert, but uh the fact that you know I could see him playing at this age more of an animator cartooner type uh, and being sort of, like, moody and, uh, you know, sad and stuff like that. Like, you know, the right. stereotypical animator would be portrayed in in, in the media. Uh, rather than some, like, hardened, hardball, uh, you know, hard-boiled detective. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, John, based on what you know, then, can you recommend this movie to the listener at home? Uh, I don't think I should. No, I I think, I think this movie should be forgotten. Second. Oh wait, I just remembered what the woman's name is. The the lady's name is. It's mm. Hollywood. Uh, and I forgot the a- advertisement campaign is uh Hollywood if Holly could. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, no, it's uh. Well, this movie should die, and yeah. that's our strongest <laughs> recommendation ever, I think. Yes, I think so. Unanimous, this this should die. Um, All right, well then, a big thank you yeah. to the listener <laughs> to who submitted listener. this episode. Um, keep them coming. We always welcome more of these kind of weird Challenges? recommendations for things we know nothing about. Yes, yeah. uh, absolutely. If, yeah, if you want to continue to support the podcast, you can submit your own minutes. You can review us on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Reach out to us at the minutepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at MinutePod or find us on Facebook. As always, this episode was hosted by Paul Reberg and John Ward, produced by John Ward with theme music by Paul Reberg. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Holy crap, you made it to the end. We'll be back next week to do it all again. Until then, be well and be sure to take a minute. The Minute Podcast.